Hello, everybody, and welcome back to episode number three of Picking Up Rubber. I am your host, Justin Russo, and we are here to talk about the 2022 Azerbaijan GP, the eighth round of the 2022 Formula One World Championship that took place just this past weekend. There was a lot to get into. A lot of things happened in this race. Maybe not the most exciting race that we could have hoped for, given recent things that have happened in Baku over past years and the sheer amount of things that happened in this race that made it less exciting, but... Let's just jump right into it, and and let's uh, start diving into this thing. So, on the Saturday, Charles Leclerc again puts his Ferrari on pole position. Sixth time in eighth races this year that Charles Leclerc is on pole. Just incredible with what he's been able to do with that car. And even on weeks where, like this one, it looked like Red Bull had the better pace than him. He's just totally outdriving what the car is capable of. He's outdriving everyone on the grid, and he is just throwing that thing and forcing it onto pole position. It is an amazing sight to see. And it's honestly just, it's, he is at his peak right now. You can, you can tell. He gets pole position. Sergio Perez and Max Verstappen round out the top three. And then Carlos Sainz in fourth. Again, not really challenging for a top three spot. He, he hangs around. He has the best car, so he's going to be in the mix. But he just really can't consistently hang with Charles on Saturdays or Sundays, for that matter, and, and really put up a fight to the Red Bulls. So, that's kind of the context coming into the Sunday. Leclerc first, signs fourth, sandwiched in between our two Red Bulls. Let's go to the race. Turn one of the race. Race start. Dream start for Red Bull. Perez gets right by Leclerc, immediately throws a wrench into the Ferrari plans, and now it's going to be even harder for Ferrari to win this race because you had to think Ferrari are going to struggle defending against Red Bull with the straight line speed that Red Bull had, and now... You already got one car past Leclerc. So immediately for Red Bull, just a dream start, exactly what they wanted. So now we go, we run around with that order for a little bit, about 10, 15 laps into the race, and Carlos Sainz's car fails. A, a break-by-wire failure, I believe they said on the broadcast, but his car fails. Just an absolute disaster for Ferrari. When it rains, it pours, honestly, for this team. They just cannot find the luck right now. This championship is starting to feel like it can it can slip away from them. You know, when we had the two DNFs in Bahrain for Red Bull and Ferrari had a 1-2, it felt like, oh man, you know, Ferrari really had this championship under control. This is theirs to lose. That was only one race. That was only one race worth of points. Now we're getting to three, four races where Ferrari have had terrible results and Red Bull are just picking up so many points and the lead is growing and growing and growing. It's not over. It's a long season, but Ferrari definitely need to do something. And exacerbated by Carlos' Sainz's issue was the fact that... So Leclerc, you know, Leclerc's actually able to benefit from Carlos Sainz's issue. He uses the VSC, gets a faster pit stop, loses less time in the pit lane, that is. Comes out of the pits behind both of the Red Bulls, hangs out there for a little while. Then the Red Bulls cycle in for the green flag pit stops. Leclerc retakes the lead of the race, and as he's coming down the main straight, puff, a huge puff of smoke from the engine. The engine dies on him, and it's a double DNF for Ferrari, just like that. Went from pole position, we have a chance to win this race, to both of our cars are out in the first 20 laps of the race. And just gut-wrenching if you're Ferrari. I mean, and especially if you're Leclerc. You know, that you look at, in Spain... He's leading the race. The car blows up on him. In Monaco, he's got the lead. The strategy doesn't work, and they fumble the strategy, and he, lo- he loses the win. 
And now here in Baku, a chance, another pole position, his sixth of the season. He's only been on been able to convert for two wins. I mean, it's it's just so incredibly frustrating if you're Charles Leclerc. You're doing everything you can and you're just not given the car at this point to to do anything. So insanely frustrating if you're Leclerc. And if you're Ferrari, you have got to get something going here because now not only is Max and or Max and Red Bull pulling away in the championship, Mercedes are not that far behind. George Russell is 17 points behind Max or behind Charles Leclerc that is in this world championship. That is one race worth of points and another DNF and another good finish for George and he could be ahead of of Charles Leclerc and it it is crazy to think because Ferrari looks so untouchable at the start of this season. Leclerc was making jokes about with his engineer, oh the engine's failing. Ha, ah, you know, no it's not, you know, it's all fun and games and now it's just it's taken such a downward spiral and it is really hard to watch. Um there are no more jokes at Ferrari anymore. This is very serious. They need to get it together, and they need to get it together fast because they're, you know, Red Bull had those reliability issues earlier in the season, but I don't suspect there's going to be a lot of times that you're going to find a Red Bull outside of the top three or having reliability issues You know, for whatever reason. You're going to have to just beat them on pure pace, and you're going to have to slowly but surely claw your way back into this championship. Sure, luck might be on your side a couple races, one of the Red Bulls might go off. They might have an issue here and there, but I think they've gotten on top of that car. I think it's the best car on the grid, and it's going to take a lot for Ferrari. It's going to take a lot of one-twos and finishing just straight up ahead of both of the Red Bulls for them to really get back in this championship. So there's a long way to go. There's 22 races. We've just finished round eight, just over a third of the way in. Don't pack it up yet if you're Ferrari. It, it definitely it stings if you're a Ferrari fan right now. But there's a lot of time left, and you just gotta you gotta fight it out. You just gotta you gotta run the races. Ferrari. I mean, hey, they look good over a one lap pace. We see what Charles is able to do in putting it on pole. You get to a couple tracks that are maybe a little tougher to overtake at. Looking down the line to Singapore at the end of the year, Hungary coming up in a few weeks. But yeah, it, it's gonna take a lot for Ferrari, and it it's it's frustrating. But they're gonna have to figure something out. The, for how. It's it's crazy how the season has done just a 180. It went from Red Bull's got the reliability issues and Ferrari's on top of the world, and it's the exact opposite now. Ferrari cannot figure out the car. that It fails, seems like, every race, and Red Bull just pick up 1-2 after 1-2. So something's going to have to change. I hope something does change for the sake of this championship because, you know, who wants there to be a boring championship? We want everyone in the mix, but, yeah, I... I it's going to be tough for Ferrari, but I really hope they can they can find a way back in. And kind of shifting from Ferrari to Red Bull here, I thought Sergio Perez, and I even said this in the preview podcast, I thought he was going to win this race. I really thought after Monaco, he was going to be on a high. This is a track that he won at last year. I thought he was going to defend his crown. He had the best car on the grid, and I thought he was going to win. Um, obviously, that, doesn't, that didn't happen. He finished P2 behind Max, and I think it just goes to show that you know, you know, Max has been a little shaky in qualifying the past couple weeks and maybe hasn't gotten the best results every week, but he is just on another level. I mean, when you need a performance and you need someone to go in and, and win you a race, you Max Verstappen's the guy. and He was the guy last year. He was the guy that did that for them last year. Every single race, just fighting with Lewis Hamilton was able to claw out every piece of performance he had, came up in the clutch every moment he could. 
and this year he's just showing that man he is he's on a different level honestly it's similar to what we saw with Lewis Hamilton and, and Bottas in the past few years where they clearly both had the best car but Lewis would just finish miles ahead of Bottas in some races I think back to to Portugal 2020 Lewis Hamilton I think it was 50 seconds ahead of Bottas and that's kind of what it felt like in this race Max was so clearly ahead of Checo it wasn't even close 20 seconds he finished ahead of him Max is on another level and not that anyone was counting him out, but, it, you know, whenever you have a little stretch here, you know, Perez won the last race and Max was struggling. There was those comments with Jasper Stappen saying they need, Red Bull needs to focus on Max more and kind of center it around him. He just goes out and just wipes the com- floor with the competition. I mean, just honestly an amazing weekend for Max. See if he can keep it up as we go here to Canada next week, this week rather. Um, but, yeah, j- just don't count him out. He's the guy this year. He He's Lewis Hamilton. He's the new Lewis Hamilton. What can you say? The dude just wins, it seems like, every week. And he picks up the pieces when Ferrari throw it away. He He's right there to pick it up. And without some mechanical failures here and there, he's he could have he won all of the races this year, you could have argued. So just an amazing, amazing thing. Um, race by Max. And what more is there to say at this point? I mean, the dude's just incredible. So... He's the clear leader in the, in the championship, clear favorite to win. But I think if Ferrari can can get the car in order, Charles Leclerc could really put a put a fight up to him. But that that's a huge if at this moment if Ferrari can do that. So moving on from the top two, let's look down the grid a little bit. Let's look at Mercedes. Nice P three, P four finish for them. George Russell on the podium again has not finished below fifth this entire season. We've heard so much about this Mercedes car. And we've seen Lewis struggle with it so much, with the porpoising, with the bouncing. Lewis, you know, had his moments in Imola where he just really struggled, finished P10. George, just every race, just shows up. If he's, if, honestly, if the Ferraris and Red Bulls all finish, he'll just finish P5. And if one of them DNFs, he'll just finish fourth or third, pick up a podium. He's just there every week. He's He's got to have the most boring job in the world right now because he just drives around Clearly behind the top four, but clearly ahead of everybody else. I mean, the dude is just so consistent. If there was any reservations or questions about why he got that seat, he has more than answered them now. Dude is just incredible. What more is there to say? I mean, you know, we we talk about, again, we see Lewis getting out of the car, you know, looking like he's in a lot of pain. And I'm sure they didn't show George, but I'm sure George was feeling it too. But again, just, just a great race by George. Just kind of hanging out there in P3 and, and doing what he needs to do. And then you look at Lewis in P4, kind of a little bit of a, a comeback drive, had to make some overtakes after the pit stops, was hunting down Gasly, Vettel, Ocon, I believe, at one point, and, and a great drive by Lewis. Uh, this was probably one of his best performances of the year. The car was awful in terms of the porpoising, the bouncing, and James Vowles actually said in the race debrief that they did that it was more it's more of a bouncing issue, and he wanted to wanted to clarify that they're really on top of the porpoising, but it's the bumpy surface at Baku that really made the car bounce, and that that's kind of a different issue for Mercedes right here because he even alluded to the fact that in Barcelona, they didn't really have many porpoising issues. The track surface and the way they set up the car, it was really stable. It was really good. You saw they were number one on the speed trap in that race. Lewis Hamilton was the fastest car at the end of the straight. But Baku, you know, it's a street circuit. It's going to be a little bumpy. That was just... They couldn't really ever get on top of the car. 
the bouncing was just way too much for them. And yeah, even despite that, both of the drivers go out and have an excellent race and they get P3, P4. Solid results for Mercedes. I don't think there's any question that they're going to finish at least P3 in this championship. Again, maybe P2. George Russell, 17 points behind Leclerc. And you know, I'll, go, I'll go check right now the, the team standings in terms of where Mercedes are in relation to Ferrari. 38 points behind Ferrari. That is, that's not a, a huge gap. So if Ferrari don't get things together here pretty soon, that's another thing I could look for is, is Mercedes possibly snagging P2 in this championship. Do I think it'll happen? Probably not. I think Ferrari still have the better car and they have, and I'll say an equal driver lineup. It's so hard to compare. They both have an excellent driver lineup, but I think that Ferrari still get P2, but it wouldn't surprise me at this point if Mercedes are able to get that. They're only 38 points back, 17 points of the driver's championship. You got to watch out for them. And I even alluded to before in the the race preview that Helmut Marco was even a little concerned. He said, you know, if they get on top of this car with the, the zero side pod concept and how fast it has potential to be in the straight line, it could be dangerous for us. It could it could become a factor uh, and work against us. So other teams are taking notice. It's just up to Mercedes at this point to to get on top of their issues. And if they do, they have the driver lineup. They will have the car and they can compete for a podium every week. I don't I don't see why that's not or why that's out of the realm of possibility. So Sadie's slowly on the come up. It's kind of weird. It was There was so much talk about the porpoising and the bouncing and how bad the car was to drive, and yet they got so much performance out of it. They were able to finish P3 and P4 clearly ahead of everyone else down the order. So just a great showing by both the Mercedes drivers, and I, I would like to like to see them enter this title fight pretty soon. That would I think that's just what we need, just a third team in the title fight, get them back in there. Obviously, getting Lewis back in the mix with his seven titles, he knows how to fight when it comes down to, to a title fight. He knows how to get his elbows out. I think it'd be really fun to watch. So we go from Mercedes, finishing P3 and P4. Talk about two guys, Pierre Gasly and Sebastian Vettel. Two great races by those guys. Pierre Gasly, P5 in his AlphaTauri, a car that hasn't consistently looked like it can stay in the points this year. He puts it in P5, had an excellent race, was in P4 for a lot of the race, but Lewis was able to track him down there at the end, and he finished six seconds behind Lewis. But it's a great race for Pierre. Um, and, and for that matter, Yuki Sonoda as well. Yuki was, I believe, P8. AlphaTauri looked great at this track. And, you know, that's probably a lot up to the Honda power unit. Straight line speed of that power that, that power unit can produce is great. But they both had a good race. I, I thought they were really good. They were solid. They stayed out of trouble. Unfortunately for Yuki, his car had the rear wing issue. They had the duct tape out trying to fix it. I feel like I was watching NASCAR there for a minute, but... They tried to fix the issue. It wasn't able to work, so I f- feel bad for Yuki there. But Pierre, just a great result. AlphaTauri looking looking like they're, they're on the upswing here, so hopefully they can turn that into a couple good results here in the next coming races, and, and that would be nice to see them get back in the midfield mix because they've kind of been a little out of it at least. And then Sebastian Vettel, P6. He could have been P5 or P4 had he not spun when trying to overtake, I believe it was Akon earlier in the race. So they've had a great race. P6, was, P6 and an Aston Martin at this point is just ridiculous. That car is... At best, it's the eighth best car on the grid. It's probably the ninth best car on the grid. It's very, very, very bad. And shout out to Seb for just putting that thing P6. Had the had the moment where he had to use the runoff area on, on the overtake, spun it right around like a pro, got back on, barely lost any time. 
But um, yeah, another great race by Seb. Ends his streak of fourth place or better finishes here at Baku, but I think we can give him the benefit of the doubt. P6 in the Aston Martin because that thing, it is a John Deere tractor. That thing is absolutely terrible to drive around. I feel bad for him and Lance. Hopefully Lance maybe can have a good performance next week in Canada and have a, have a good home Grand Prix. And then down the line, P7, Fernando Alonso. P8 and 9, the two McLarens. And P10, Alpine of Esteban Ocon. First of all, the Alpine straight line speed was just sickening this weekend. Just absolutely insane. You saw that any point in the race, someone was trying to pass an Alpine, whether it was Lewis Hamilton, Sebastian Vettel, you know, Ricardo there at the end. They could not get past him. They would get close to them. They could, you know, maybe get DRS, but they would just fly down the straight. I mean, just absolutely incredible the pace that those those Alpines had in a straight line. The first and third sectors, I mean, they, they were just checking out. It, it was honestly incredible. So, they were really good. They were really competitive. Maybe didn't have it in the corners in, in the twisty section, but I mean, when you have that long straight, the longest straight in F1, and you have a good engine, and you have good straight line speed, you don't really need much more than that, I feel like, so they were horrible to to have to deal with for any other drivers this weekend. Great weekend for them. Again, Alonzo P7, Alcon P10. And then we come to the McLarens, and I have a lot of things to say about the McLarens this weekend, and you know, maybe as you see my Daniel Ricardo shirt that I have on. I'm a little biased, but nonetheless, so let's go back, flashback to earlier in the race. Lando Norris is ahead of Daniel Ricardo, and right behind them is, is an Alpine. I believe it was Ocon, it was Alcon or Alonso. I, you know, I, can't, I can't remember which one, but there was an Alpine behind them chasing Ricardo down. Ricardo had the tire advantage, and he told the team, hey, let me buy Lando here. I'm going to get passed by this Alpine if, if you don't let me by here pretty soon. it's I'm going to get passed. I think it was Alonso now that Alonso finished ahead of Ricardo. But the team comes back and says, hold position, Daniel. We want Lando to stay ahead for the strategy. You know, he's about to come into pit. We want him to stay ahead right now. So Daniel, and, and it was crazy because Daniel was coming down the straight, and you could tell he had DRS. And just at the end of the straight, the DRS switched off before the braking zone and you know whenever you brake in the formula one car the drs automatically switches off so you could tell he was going to pass lando he had the speed to pass him but he, he you know he said team orders so i i have to stay behind him so he braked earlier than he had to shut off the drs and stay behind him and it really compromised daniel next lap or two i believe lando comes in and daniel gets passed by the alpine now might have happened anyway straight line speed of the alpine was was insane but it held up Daniel, and, you know, he could have, that could have been a buffer for him. It could have had Lando holding up the Alpine once he got past him, and it just really kind of threw Daniel's race, it threw a wrench into Daniel's race, and it wasn't great. So let's flash, you know, let's move forward to the end of the race now, where Lando Alonso 7th, Ricardo 8th, Norris ninth, and Daniel Ricardo is trying on new medium tires to chase down Fernando Alonso. He's getting close, he's getting close, he gets to a with within a second he gets you know DRS a little bit you know he's he's really close kind of hanging around a second a second and a half and he just stalls out he can't get any closer because no matter how close he got on in, in sector three before the straight the McLaren had the worst straight line speed of any team this weekend the Alpine had the best straight line speed Alonso would just check out on that straight and he was gone and there was no passing him I don't even think DRS would have helped the, the straight line speed deficit was just so so strong in favor of the Alpine that I don't think anything would have helped Daniel Ricardo or Lando Norris for that matter there. So, you know, Ricardo's on the new mediums. He's trying to pass 
Alonzo. It's not working. Lando then catches up to both of them, and he tells his team, hey, give me a shot. You know, let, let me try. Lando's on older hard tires, but <clears throat> he says, you know, give me a shot. And basically, the team wanted to, the team ended up telling him, you know, say, hey, we'll give you a shot, but give the spot back. Lando wanted to just say, hey, I want to just go by both of them. I, you know, I, I don't really care. I'm trying to race for position here. So Lando gets a little testy on the radio when the team say, you know, look, Daniel tried to catch him. Daniel's not catching him. There's only, I think there was probably four or five laps to go at that point. Let's just hold position here. We're, you know, we don't want Akon to, to catch us. Akon ended up finishing 16 seconds behind McLaren. So, you know, that, that was what they had said in terms of what the threat was. Might be a little more if Akon had some blue flags there at the end. But, yeah, so they get on the radio to Lando, and they say, let's just hold position here. And he says, whoa, 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 why, why are we holding position? Uh, you know, this is the end of the race. This is for position. This is for finishing position. Uh, you know, the, the, what I did earlier for Daniel was for strategy, or, or what Daniel did for me earlier was for strategy. And I, I just don't really get, you know, and obviously post-race it seemed like things were fine, so I'm not trying to stir up any drama here at McLaren. But if you're Lando, how do you not clearly see that, you know, hey, Daniel helped you out in the first stint. It's time to help him out now. You know, give him, you know, let him stay in that position ahead of you. You know, you compromised his race early. And he helped you out so you could make the strategy work. Now it's time to repay the favor. And he wasn't getting past Alonso anyway. We, we knew that. And I think by the time that he wanted to go, you know, McLaren realized, hey, there's only a few laps. and he, He's not going to get to Alonso to even have the opportunity to pass him. So there's just really no point in, in really switching around the cars at this point. So I think the team made the right call. It did seem like Lando was was whining a little bit. I have to say, it just it's just like you know, hey, I know you're in the car and things are heated in the moment, but you know what Daniel did for you in the first sec in the first stint of the race. You know how much he helped you. Help him out. Help him out back. You know, it, it just seems pretty seems pretty cut and dry to me. Um, so that was a little frustrating to watch. I. I really wasn't sure if he, if Lando was going to try to pass him there on the last lap because he had DRS, and, and I thought he was going to go right past him. Thankfully, you know, he listened to the team orders and, and everything was fine. But, yeah, just an interesting moment there for McLaren, especially when, and again, I'm, I'm a Ricardo fan, you know. And I, I got a Lando shirt in the closet, too, so I don't, I don't want to hear it. But I, Ricardo, I feel like, has done, has recognized that he's not at his top form right now. And I feel like at every juncture he is, listened to team orders, he's played the team game, he's tried everything he could to help out Lando when he can in certain situations. I, you know, I don't know why there's any reason Lando needs to, you know, be like that on the radio, where you, it's it's a team sport, yeah, obviously you want to beat your team, that's the one guy you want to beat, but Daniel has, has done everything he could to help Lando in the past couple of years, and I think Lando needs to recognize that, hey, you know, I, I got to play this game too, and... A lot of people mentioned, you know, oh, Monza, Lando played the team game. I kind of, you know, Daniel had the fastest lap of the race on the last lap. I don't think Daniel was going that slow anyway. But, yeah, it was a little frustrating to watch Lando kind of complain there and and have to see him whine about the uh, the end. But, again, everything seemed to end well. So I don't think there's any ill will between the two. They seem fine. Lando and Andreas Seidel even said, you know, heat of the moment. That's what we want our driver to do is we want him to try to get the best position that he can. Okay, that, that's one way to spin it for sure, but hopefully he's all, all is good at McLaren. 
P8 and P9 for them, you know, would have been a P10, P11 if Ferrari hadn't retired. So the pace, it's questionable how much pace they have. Obviously, the straight line speed isn't there for them, and this is the one track where you need straight line speed to survive. So not a great mix for them. They go to Canada. Hopefully, they can go a little bit better, although, you know, Canada's a lot of a lot of straights, a lot of long, um, you know, sections, a lot of chicanes. There's not really too many tight corners. The chicanes are pretty fast. The hairpin at the end and, and turn one are pretty tight. But, yeah, so we'll see see how they go in, in Canada. Should be interesting to see that they've been they've been close with Alpine. You look at the, the standings right now, they have 65 points. Alpine has 47. And it seems like Alpine have, they've reached higher highs than McLaren has this year. McLaren, I think, has just been more consistent. Um, so that I think can turn into an interesting fight to see, you know, kind of, kind of how that plays out in the midfield and don't count out Alfa Romeo, 41 points. They're only six points behind Alpine. They've done a great job this year and, and they can factor into it too. But speaking of Alfa Romeo, Joe Guan Yu, man, I, I feel so bad for him. You know, we talk about rookies and, and especially after a year where we had Nikita Mazepin, the, the worst, if <laughs> one of, if not the worst rookie rookies in uh in f1 history we have joe guan Yu come in yes he's a pay driver everyone knows that so people are already angry at him he's driven well this year he's driven really well he's been there to pick up you know points when i think he only has one point this year but he's he's been in spots in terms of what he's been able to do with the car he's been maximizing the output of the car i think and he's had three dnfs in the last four races he hasn't really had a chance to show his pace. He he's had a lot of good opportunities. I you know, he been running in or around the points towards the end of the race and he just the car just fails on him. So I feel so bad for him. He doesn't deserve any any hate, I don't think. Especially when you consider how good he's looking and the fact that he got a point in his first race and he's been around the points most of the time. When you look at some other rookies like Mazepin, Mick Schumacher, who has not been very good in this year in, in terms of what we've expected him to be obviously the Haas car I think kind of fell off and everyone recognizes that it fell off from Bahrain and the point scoring opportunities haven't been there as much but when you look at what Mick's doing and what some of the other rookies are doing and then you compare it to Joe Guan Yu I think he's doing just fine he, and and Valtteri Bottas seems to have taken him under his wing and they seem to have a good relationship there it's just really frustrating for him I, I'd have to imagine being a rookie you know you you want to prove yourself you want to show that you you know, you know, you belong in F1, and you just don't really get the chance because team's not giving you the car. So, and especially for Joe Guan Yu, you know, everyone kind of knows the plan for Alfa Romeo is Teo Porcher, the F2 driver that is highly suspected to come up next year uh, and, and race for Alfa Romeo, if not the year after. And that was the hesitancy when they signed Joe Guan Yu initially. They didn't want to give him too long of a contract because they knew that we got Teo down in F2, and this is really our guy right now that we want to get into an F1 seat. So especially when you have that in the back of your mind and you have three DNFs in the last four races and the team's not giving you the car, it's got to be so frustrating frustrating for him. So I really feel for him. And you have to say, too, both of the Ferraris have issues in this race. Joe Wan Yu, Kevin Magnussen also retired from this race, and both have a Ferrari power unit. So... This isn't just for affecting the Ferrari drivers. It's affecting, like kind of like we saw in Bahrain, where it was the AlphaTauris and the Red Bulls both suffering from issues. 
it's just super frustrating for all the Ferrari teams right now. They were on such a high and they they were looking so good, and now they they're they're just struggling so much. And and the Ferrari is really having a lot of issues. So it's it's going to benefit a lot of teams if Ferrari can get on top of this because obviously they share all the parts with, of of the power unit and they get the exact same power unit that Ferrari does. So Ferrari can figure it out. Maybe you can see Haas, Kevin Magnussen, and Mick Schumacher in for some more points. And definitely Joe Guan Yu, I think, is going to be up there too. So really interesting to see and see how that develops. Really, I don't want to say boring, but uh, not as interesting of a race as that we could have uh, hoped for. You know, the big thing at the end was Lando and Daniel. That was kind of the focus of the race. Max was 20 seconds ahead. Uh, you know, George Russell and Lewis were kind of just hanging out in P3 and P4. Everyone was pretty separated. There weren't too many big battles going on. Um, so not the most exciting race, but hopefully that changes this week because we head to Canada, head to Circuit Gilles Villeneuve in Montreal. Really excited to watch that. Uh, I became a fan of F1 in 2020. I have not watched a live Canadian GP, so I'm really looking forward to that. Just driving it in the sim, you know, sim racing and just seeing some old, old videos of it. Looks like an extremely fun track. Uh, you know, not a ton of overtaking opportunities, but definitely going into turn one, you know, a little bit of the hairpin, there's some action going on there. Interested to see how these cars follow. You know, it's a lot of chicanes. That I think that was probably the big issue in recent years where the the mid speed chicanes and, and kinda how much how how fast those were, it, it, the dirty air was probably so much that those cars couldn't really follow. So I'm interested to see how these cars are able to follow in that and hopefully could be a little better and, and produce some pretty good racing. So we'll be back. Uh, I'll be back, that is, uh, later this week with a preview of the Canadian GP. But in in the meantime, I wish you the best. Please check out my socials. They'll be linked in the description there. Picking up rubber on social media. Most social medias, uh, picking up rubber, I believe, picking rubber on Twitter. So, yeah, go check me out. I love to talk F1 on Twitter. Hit me up there. Instagram as well. I'm trying to be a little bit more active there. Hopefully post some clips of the podcast and some general stuff there. So give me a follow. Talk F1 with me. I'm always down. And uh, we'll see you later this week for the Canadian GP Preview Podcast. Thanks.